Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church sermon podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. As you're turning there, have you ever felt like you've been going through life with a blindfold on? You're oblivious to all the things that are happening around you. You're not sure which direction you're going through life. There are many that live that way in church. They live from behind that blindfold. Now, why do I say that? It's because what we see in the church today is one of the biggest problems we've got is a lot of people. See, what they do is they go to church, and then they go home, and then they go to church. And then they go home, and they do that over and over again, but they don't understand the behind-the-scenes philosophy. It's almost like those who attend church, they're often blinded to the realities of the values and the direction of the church. So what I'd like to do this week, and probably a little bit next week as well, is try to remove some of those blinders so that we would all be in agreement, so that we would be together. Look, we're not about building a denomination. We're not about building a building. We're not even about numerical growth for the sake of numbers. What are we about? We're about leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We began last week looking at what God is giving us, and that was what? It was an unstoppable vision. Our unstoppable vision, it's centered around those three core thoughts that we had last week, thoughts that we're going to have in this church, and that is everyone is welcome, everyone is needed, And everyone is changed. And then within this vision, God reminds us that we are all to be together unstoppable partners. In Philippians 1, Paul's writing to his beloved congregation here. And he says this in verses 3 through 6. He says, I thank God for all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The word Paul uses in this text here is the word koinonia. It's the word that we often translate into this word fellowship. But you see, it's more than that. It's more than just fellowship. It's more than just a comfortable experience of getting together and enjoying one another's company. It's a joint participation in a common interest for a common good. It means two people or more walking in the same direction. Used together with that phrase in the gospel, it means that we're all involved as joint participation for the gospel of Christ. We're involved in moving it forward together. This fellowship, this participation or partnership is joining together in the task of making the gospel known to the others around us. We also have this fellowship, this koinonia. It means that we're united. We've been united together because of this common activity. Let's go back and look again at the early church. And we're going to look at this congregation that was so close to Jesus and his first disciples. And we're going to unpack our text for this morning. So please stand in the honor of reading God's word. We're again looking at the early church, the New Testament's first believers, and this this is a description of them. I'm going to start in Acts 2, verse 44 and following, and I'm going to read probably up through verse 47. It's very powerful scripture here. This is what it says. And all who believed were what? I want you to say this with me. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple. How were they attending? They were attending the temple together. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And what was the result? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we thank you for this picture that you've given us of this early, early church that was so intent on carrying forth the mission of Christ. God, may that be a model for us, how we work together, how we partner together, how we come together and our sole focus is on, on serving you and loving you and sharing that with the world around us. Open our eyes, Lord, open our ears and open our hearts to what it is you want to say to each and every one of us this morning. God, we thank you for loving us so much that we can have your word and your truth to guide our lives each and every step of the way. In your name we pray and all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Let me begin by saying this Acts 2 church, it started out like any other church starts out. It started out as a very small church. But after following God's plan, after doing it in unity, doing it together, they had a very large, they had a huge impact on their society. We have some very large Christian churches all over the world today, but what we see is they have a much smaller impact on the world. So, what's the difference? What's the difference between those churches? I believe the key is this. It's that the people in this early church, they were tremendously blessed because they were unified, because they were together. They believed that scripture, that it was very, very important. So they studied the scriptures. They did it together. They believed that, as I continually teach, that relationships were incredibly important. They believe that generosity is something that they should be, that they must be about. They should be generous, and so they were generous, and they did this. How? They did it together. And because they were so unified, they could be criticized, but that wouldn't stop them. You could threaten to hurt them, but that would just give them all the more passion to do what they were doing. You could persecute them, but they would just be more united. You could even kill some of them. But the remainder of them would just be more focused and intent on what God was calling them to do. They were so united that no matter what you would do against them, you couldn't stop them. Unity, agreement, together. Now let me ask, what does God want? And, and look at, what does Satan want? You know, as I understand scripture, God wants us what? He wants us united. He wants us to be in agreement. He wants us to be together. Now what about our spiritual enemy? He doesn't want us united, right? He doesn't want us together. What does he want us? He wants us divided. He places people in some of our congregations to do what? To disrupt the movement of God, to limit the effectiveness of the church, to cause division. What's division? It's not one vision. It's two or three or multiple visions that people have. If I ask you, do you think Christians around the world today, are they united or are they divided? What would you say? If you'd ask me, I'd say, Sadly, we're divided. We're very divided. But worse than divided, I actually think we're splintered. There's so many Christians today that can barely get along. Friends, think about it. When we think about the state of Christianity in the church today, it must break the heart of God. If I took these verses in Acts 2 and I'd translate those verses, and it's just my understanding, but I'd translate them into a more modern-day translation of how it's played out in the church today, how these verses are actually lived out today. Here's what I'd say. Now remember, that early New Testament church, they were what? Together. They were in total agreement. They were very generous. 
But unfortunately, what do we see today? Here's how it's lived out in the church today. Again, my translation here, but for today's time, it would say this. All believers are divided. They don't have much of anything in common. They're hoarding their possessions, they're hoarding their goods, and they keep as much as they can. They would do it for their own use, or they'll use their money to lord it over others, or worse yet, maybe to lord it over the church. Use it for their own agenda, feeling that their money grants them power. And then every now and then, if it isn't football season or whatever season going on, or the weather is good, or, or they're not too tired, or maybe a family member or a friend isn't coming over, well, then they'll come on out to church for an hour, not a minute early, and, and they'll blow out the door as soon as the service is over because they've got more important things to do than to fellowship together with God's people. Oh, you love Jesus when it's convenient for you, but you're despised by people for your hypocrisy. And very few people get saved. It's a sad state of Christianity. Friends, why is that? Truth is, there's probably any number of reasons for that. One of my theories is this. In our country today, Christianity has become more of this me Christianity instead of what it should be about. And that is a we Christianity. For too many people, it's all about me. What can I get out of it? I'm going to church, but I must find one that meets my needs. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do some church shopping. I'm going to shop around. If I find that the church, that it isn't there to meet my needs, to meet my demands, I'll look somewhere else. Then there's a lot of people today that say, well, I can't find a church that I like. I can't like any of them. None of them are meeting my needs that do things the way I want them to do. And so I'm just not going to go anywhere at all. I'm just not going to go. If it doesn't meet my needs, if it doesn't meet my expectations, well, it's a waste of my time because it's all about me. But what is it we read in the New Testament? What do we read there? It's more about what? It's about we, right? It's about we. It's about us. It's not about me. It's about us doing our part in the family of Christ. You hear this me-centered philosophy, and I've used that phrase many times. And understand, when it comes to Christianity, you you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus because no one else can do that for you. No one else can know him for you. But let me tell you what's more biblical than that. Rather than saying that we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's even more biblical for us to say we need to have a shared relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship where we know him intimately in community where we experience him. Wherever two or three are gathered, he tells us that he is there, he is present with us, and we experience him because of this understanding. What I'd like to do is kind of shift the way that we think about things. Even though you may be an official member of this church, I'd rather that you not even think of yourself as a member of a church, but I want you to think of yourself as a member of the family of God because that's what you are. And I hope you see that what you're doing by doing this is you're joining a movement for the cause of Christ. So when you think about the church, what I'd like for you to think is this. Not of yourself as a member, but I'd like for you to think of yourself as a partner. You're partnering with the church. You're going to partner with other believers in Jesus Christ to lead other people, to lead those who don't know Christ to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That means that you bring you. You bring what God, what he has put inside each and every one of you, you bring that to the table, and others will bring what God has put inside of them. And then what happens is together, I think this is a more biblical way to say what we're to be about is this. Say, we will partner together in the family of God to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We're partnering together for the mission that God gives us. Now, if you are a believer, you need to partner somewhere in a local church. 
If it's not here, if you don't want to join us because you don't like what God is doing here, or whatever it is, I'm sorry, just, just don't come back. I'm going to tell you, no hard feelings on my part or anybody's part. Go find a church that teaches the Bible, a church that does things the way that you want them done. Plug in and invest your life. It's the greatest cause on the planet we have here. We need to be investing our time in the church, but you must do it somewhere. And, and if, I'm going to tell you, if it is here, then today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five things that we agree upon. And if you agree, then you should be able to say, yes, I want to partner with other believers here at Cherryvale First Baptist Church to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. What are those five things? The first one is this. We agree as a church to, number one, reach people who don't know Christ. We must be willing, and I said this last week, so hopefully this is just sinking in. We should be willing, we must be willing to do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. Now, you need to understand this, and believe me when I tell you, we must err as we do this on the side of being aggressive. Not on being passive, on being conservative. We need to be aggressive as we go and we share the gospel. We need to do anything that is short of sin. Why is that? Because we don't believe that this church, that any church exists for us. We believe that we are the church, but we as a church, we exist for the world. And that's a big difference. I like the way Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Then down in verse 22 of that same chapter, he said, I have become all things to all people. That by what? That by all means. I might save some. He says, I'm going to do anything and everything I can short of sin, and I'm going to become all things to all people. He says to the weak, I'm going to be weak. I'll do anything short of sin to reach these people with the gospel message. That's why we exist. We exist to glorify God and to reach people who don't know Christ. Paul lays out here an important understanding for our work together as Christians, and it's this, vision. Vision calls forth sacrifice. It calls us to sacrifice. Now, there, I mean, there's a word that many people don't like. Why? Because sacrifice involves what? It involves giving up what might be good for you. Giving up something that your clique might enjoy or your group desires in order for what? What is best. Best for the whole body that God's will might be achieved. Many times we're bound by what? Our selfishness. We're bound by our prejudices, by our biases to such an extent that we're, we're not striving to reach people who God seeks anymore. Each of us, we must ask ourselves, what must I give up to follow God's call? Nowadays, our society is obsessed with this drive-through mentality. But know this, this is not a drive-through church. It can't be. Not if we want to follow the exciting and life-changing vision that God has set down before us. We can't be a drive-through church. If we're going to follow the unstoppable vision and be unstoppable partners, those things that God has called us to be. Paul was willing to use any means, anything at his disposal to win some for Christ. Anything that didn't involve sin, didn't involve giving up on the biblical principles he was willing to do. What does this mean for us? It means that we need to reject the me culture of today. The culture that invades our lives, and yes, it even has invaded our congregations across our world. Face it, friends. Our human hearts, at its very core, is very self-centered. What does Paul say about himself? He makes himself what? He says, I make myself a servant. In some translations, it says, I make myself a slave. And both a servant and a slave 
what do they do? They look after the interests of others. So church, friends, to be unstoppable partners, to be this koinonia that God has called us to in this unstoppable vision for the gospel, we need to make ourselves servants, make ourselves slaves to others. For example, just coming to worship today. Did you come today for yourself or did you come for others? When you contemplate your attendance at worship, God wants you to think of how your attendance benefits the church as a whole. Or when you're thinking about your co-workers during the week who are living in sin, you think, well, I should say something to them. I want to say something to them. But, man, then your mind thinks, that's going to be uncomfortable. What are people going to say? Are the people going to laugh behind my back? So what happens? You're being self-centered at that point, right? You're thinking of yourself first. And what does God say? He says, no, don't do that. He says, think of those other people. Think of their salvation and their needs first. What can you do to help them? What can you do in their spiritual life to move them closer to God? That's what you should be doing. How does this play out in the church? It's called partnership. Many of you, you have people that you love who don't know Christ. Maybe it's your mom or your dad. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a brother or a sister. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a person you work with every day at the office, someone you go to school with. Maybe it's a neighbor next door to you or whatever. And there are people that you know. You might even love these people, but they're people that don't know Christ. When you get them to church, if you can, and I hope that you can, I hope, I encourage you to try to get them here. I promise you, it will be a good week. We will tell the story of Jesus in a very simple fashion every single week. My commitment to you is this. You get someone here that you love. And we'll tell the story of Jesus in a way that will engage them, in a way that will help them understand who Jesus is. We want to partner together. The church wants to partner. We all need to partner together. We agree that we're going to do anything short of sin to reach people who are without Christ. Second thing, under number two, is this. We agree to accomplish more with less. We're passionate about doing more ministry with fewer resources. In fact, as you read his word, as you read what Jesus says, his teachings here, you see just how important wise stewardship is to Jesus. He said this in Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. He said, you've been faithful in these few things that I've given you to do. And because of that, I'm going to put you in charge of many, many things. I'm going to tell you, you can't read Jesus without seeing just how passionate he was about wise use of resources. Church, we're called to make every dollar that we take in scream for the kingdom. When times are tough, we've proven that we've been able to get pretty creative at making God's resources stretch within this church. We have people here who are brilliant at cutting costs and making God's resources scream. Question is, are you one? I don't mind telling you we're doing some crazy things in crazy ways. We're feeling the hit of the economy just as much as anybody else around us is doing, but yet we're doing our dead level best to accomplish more with less. Our volunteers here, they're providing and they are producing so much here of what we do that it's scary. It takes a commitment here to doing more with less resources and doing it together. And I'm going to tell you, many of you are key players in doing that. 
Many here know what happens when you give away what we're called to as believers. You've seen God work. You've seen him provide in ways that you'll never forget. You've seen the impossible become possible because of what God can do through your giving. Think about life and think about ministry when anything is possible. Think about it. It gets exciting. Why do I say that? Because we're not limited by earthly thinking. Our earthly math doesn't come into play. You see, when we tithe, we step out of the natural and we step into the supernatural. God does more for your obedient 90% than the tight-fisted disobedience of 100% that's not blessed. For some here, the time is now to start tithing. It's not when the economy gets back on track. It's not when things, well, when they get a little bit more better for you or when things are more to your liking. The time is now. The time is now to get God involved in your finances before another minute goes by. Look. My commitment to you is this, to continue to be aggressive and passionate about being wise with the use of God's resources. When you give, we want to maximize those resources for God's glory. And we agree that we're going to do anything, anything short of sin, to reach people who don't know Christ. We also agree we're going to do more with less. And then the third thing is this, we can accomplish more together than alone. Why? Because what we're doing, it's not about us. It's not about First Baptist Church. It's not about any church denomination, any style of worship. It's not about anyone at all. It's about what? It's about the kingdom of God. It's about Jesus. And that means we're called to partner with other churches and with other ministries in our community and around the world to make a difference. Let me translate Acts 4.34 into the church world today. Beautiful verse here says this, there are no needy persons among them. Why? You see, because from time to time, those who owned land or houses or had extra stuff, they'd go out and they'd sell them and they'd bring the money in from those sales and they'd put it at the apostles' feet or they'd put it in the temple treasury and it was distributed to whom? It was distributed to anyone who had need. And church, we're called to partner as a church together in that very same way. We're called to do more together than alone. So through the Cherryvale Ministerial Alliance, we partner with other churches here in Cherryvale to do more ministry, a shared ministry that we have. I'm out in the community all the time, and I represent First Baptist Church. I connect with other pastors in our area regularly, not just here in Cherryville, but in Independence and in Coffeyville too. Why do I do that? Because we don't exist for ourselves. And I don't want us to be a ministry island over here. One that's disconnected from the global body of Christ and what's going on. So I take purposeful steps to keep us connected. I meet monthly with some pastors and church leaders. We share ideas. We share resources. We pray for one another. We root and we cheer for one another. Even though we may have churches in the same areas. We realize here that what's important is this. It's the kingdom of God. It's the body of Christ. It's not the boundary line that exists between this church in their church. We've been blessed to have a relationship with Ironbridge Church in Chester, Virginia. A relationship that has helped us do ministry here at a higher level than we would have been able to do without it. They've blessed our congregation with resources. We're working on plans for them to come back again this summer to do more things for Christ here in this community. Friends, we must continue to build and nurture these partnering relationships with those outside of this church to leverage God's resources for his kingdom. So we agree we can do more together than alone. Fourth thing is this. We're not a big church, but we're a small church with a big vision. 
Well, I, I think we could all agree, right? We're, we're not a mega church. We're not, we're not even a large church by any stretch of the imagination, but we're a small church. A small church with a big vision. Look at the call of Jesus, and then you tell me if you think that we've or any church really has accomplished anything yet. He said this in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And so, as we look back on, on what God has done, what he's done through his church throughout the years, and while we may be at awe on some of the things God has done, in reality, I think what we can say is what we're just getting started, right? We're just getting started. It is ground floor right now. It's foundation time. The foundation's just been built for us to build God's kingdom upon, and that's it. Don't go around thinking, yeah, look what we've done. We've done something great. Because we haven't yet. We're a very small church with a very big vision. And as God blesses his church, if you don't like the fact that the church is growing, the church is changing, I'm going to tell you, you're free to not come back. Ye of small mind. I'm going to tell you, do you think that this church exists for you? Oh, I'm sorry, you're the church? No, it's his church. I'm going to tell you, as long as there's someone, anyone who doesn't know Christ, don't ever say that any church anywhere is too big. As churches go, we're all just starting on our mission for Christ. Let me close out with number five. And this is something I've been saying for a very long time now. We will agree that we will make a difference. I'm going to speak these verses loosely over you right now. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, now to him, now to Christ. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. May Jesus, may he get all, all the glory as he works in me, in you, as he works through you, as he works through us as a church to do more. Do more than we could ever imagine that we could do in this world. My vision for this church is that you all, that we would all be so generous and so godly and so different that even people out in the community, people that don't agree with our faith, they will say, we don't know about this Jesus thing, but at least those people over there, they take it seriously. They're generous. They're different. They're making a difference here in our community. Because church, understand. When you show people love, when you serve them, when you're generous towards them, understand, and let's be real, it's hard to hate someone who's serving you. And so when we show them the love of Jesus, what does it do? It brings credibility to the message of Jesus. And we will make a difference in our community. It's like this. When you serve someone, when you help someone, and you do it, you do it over and over and over again, not expecting anything in return, not desiring anything in return, and you're just there. You're walking through life with them. You're walking beside them. You may not even know the impact that you're having on their life till one day, one day they come up to you and they say, back then, when, when you came back, you came and helped me, and then you came back again, and then you came back, and then you did it again. And, and, and I realized there was something different about you, and I wanted to know what it was. So I started to ask around about it. Then one day, one day someone led me to faith in Jesus Christ, led me to know him as my Lord and the Savior of my life. And, and now my life, it has never been the same again. I got off drugs. I stopped drinking. I got a job. And now I serve in the church. I'm here. I'm in the church. I'm here to give back. Now I'm the one that's here to serve. 
And friends, when that happens in your life, that's when you can step back and you can say, that's it right there. That's the church. That's what we're to be all about, friends. And that's what I'm inviting you all to be part of. Why so much passion? Look, you show me something that's more important than this mission here, and I'll quit tomorrow. I promise you, I'll, do, I'll quit and I'll do that. But here's the deal, right? You can't. You can't show me anything that's more important on this earth than the mission that Christ has given us. Let me close with this. I challenge each and every one of you here this morning. Are you in or are you out? Are you going to partner with this church for Christ or are you partnering with the evil one to thwart the work of this church? Friends, I'm going to tell you right now, it's black and white. It is. You're either one or the other. And if you're not with us, some of you this morning, you'll say, I'm in. I'm ready. Let's go. But let me warn you first, okay? And we've seen this. If you want to partner with the church, you need to understand, you will be persecuted. You will be rejected. You will be misunderstood. And you will be hurt. You will hurt more deeply because your heart, what's happening? Your heart's going to expand, right? It's going to expand for people who are desperate in desperate need and people who are without Christ. You're going to long for them and it'll bother you. It'll bother you so much that you can't live the American consumeristic, self centered, meistic lifestyle that so many of us live in because it'll make you miserable. It'll make you so miserable until until you're willing to make a difference. And when this little life is over, when it's all said and done, one day you will stand before your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every one of us will. We're all going to be there. And he's going to look at you. And then my prayer is that he'll look at you and he'll say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know how else to say it. I don't. But to tell you, get in or get out. Stop playing. If you're lukewarm, what does scripture say? God will do what? He'll spew you out. He's going to spit you out. You're nothing to him. Friends, it's a new day. It's a new time. It's time to sell out for Jesus. This church, we will be a church that honors God and we will make a difference in this community and in our world. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, and have a blessed day.